at all. Well, take your Bibles, if you would, tonight and go to 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 13. 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 13. And tonight we want to look at verses 13 through 16. And uh, we're going to break this up into two sections. Uh, Originally intended to go a little bit further tonight, but I'm going to break this up into uh, two separate uh, messages. And uh, so we're going to deal with verses 13 through 16 tonight. 1 Peter chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 13. The Word of God says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. If you would, and if you mark in your Bible, some people do and some people don't, look at the expression in verse number 13. He says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. The apostle Peter here, having just exhorted them and us as the readers even tonight, in general to take care that our conversation be honest among all men and honest among the Gentiles, Peter now moves into a very practical and a very particular responsibilities that we as believers have living in a society. Peter advises these readers. Now again, remember, part of the Jews, the Jewish believers were scattered. Uh, but they were scattered, but they were still under governmental authorities. There was still a government that they were to be subjected to. Uh, Sometimes we think as believers and as Jewish believers and Gentiles here that because they were, quote-unquote, on the run, that they were no longer subject to the governments in which uh, they were a part of. But I'm going to show you tonight from the Scripture uh, that nothing could be further from the truth. The context here really begin in verse 13 all the way down to the end of the chapter. The, the actual context of the Scripture here is really could be summarized this way. It deals with submission to earthly authorities, submitting to authorities here on earth. Now, it's going to use, we're not going to look at it this week, but we will eventually get to uh, where even the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is given as the great example of submitting himself to the authorities of the day. And it talks about him actually going under the cross and actually suffering and dying. And even as the example of what it means to submit to earthly authorities. Peter reminds the reader and reminds us tonight that In a certain sense, we are free. We do have freedom. We do have liberty in Christ. But that freedom is not freedom from all things. Uh, We have to understand that our freedom in Christ, we are bound to serve people. And we are also to be in obedience to the ordinances or the government in which we reside in. In other words, where we live, we are to be obedient to those laws. We're to be obedient to those authorities who are over us. 
Now, we're going to come back here in just a moment, but go ahead and turn back to the book of Romans, if you would, a familiar book, of course. We look at Romans every Sunday, but go over to Romans chapter number 13, and let's look at this tonight. Romans chapter number 13, and, and we'll read through this part of this text tonight and kind of see a similarity here in what the Apostle Paul was writing that's very similar to what Peter writes. Romans 13, verse number 1. Paul, writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister, he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For, for this cause pay ye tribute also." for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to, who custom, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, Thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light." Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. The Word of God does not permit believers to go against human governments and ordinances unless those governments make laws against God. Now, that's a very fine line when we consider that, and we think about human government, we think about submission, and tonight's message is not so much about what can we rebel against. I hope you understand this is more about what are we to be subjected to. And we live in a nation, we live in a, in a country that certainly uh, not every law and not every ordinance we agree with. We certainly could uh, go down the list today and we could say, I don't agree with that. I think this should be this. I think that we ought to uh, not have that regulation. I don't think that rule should be in place. Uh, we, could, we could all come up with a list tonight and say, I don't agree with this. Agreement is not what the issue is here. Peter writes that we are to submit ourselves to every ordinance. Every ordinance of whom? Of man. And why do we do that? He says, for the Lord's sake. Why do we submit ourselves to the laws of the land? Why do we submit ourselves to the laws of a, of a community? 
Why do we submit ourselves to the laws of a, even a church body? Why do we do those things? We do those things for the Lord's sake. Now, submission and submitting yourself is easier said than done. It's easy to say, I, I, I'm submissive to authority. I'm submissive to the laws and the ordinances of man. However, when we think about the word submit, often we think submission is uh, only, a, it's used as a verb. We think it's, it's an action, and it is. But the, literally, the word submission literally means to be subject unto. Or even one step further, it means to place yourself into a subordinate position. In other words, put yourself in a place that that authority over you is in authority. Now, it's not just doing it as a position because it's going to be marked by obedience. So submission without obedience is not submission. Submission with obedience, that's what he's talking about here. In other words, we could say it and yet not obey. We could say I'm submissive but not obey. So when Peter writes here about submitting yourself... He's telling them, a group of people who are literally on the run, as a whole, these Jewish believers and even these Gentiles to an extent were still under what would have been Roman rule. Now today, many people would say that one of the most cruel governments that has ever existed towards believers was the Roman government. Yet Peter is writing, and in these, in First Peter one one, remember when we it, it lined out all those different uh, places. It talked about uh, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Uh, those were different provinces, and they were scattered in all those places. But for the most part, those were all under Roman rule. So what Peter is telling these believers is he's telling them you need to be submissive to the Roman rule. Now, they could have immediately said, wait a minute, the Roman rule is unfair. It's unfriendly. Yet Peter is telling them, you are still to submit yourself unto the authority and the ordinances of man. Well, what are ordinances? It's interesting. And again, I don't, I don't make a routine of studying Hebrew and Greek. I, I, it has some value, but I don't believe that in our English-speaking world we have to be scholars. But what's interesting about the, the ordinance the literal meaning of the word ordinance in the Greek means to every creation of man. In other words, these ordinances can be things that man has created. Now, a society's laws are supposed to be based on, and, and their foundation is founded on the word of God. The, the laws of the land do not kill. It's founded on the word of God. But there are also some laws and ordinances that are man's creation. They, they don't really, they don't necessarily have a foundation in the Bible. They don't really even have a foundation. We might even look at it and say, where does that rule come from? Who made that up? Well, the reality here is, is Peter is very specific. He doesn't just say, submit yourselves to every recognized law. He says, for, to every ordinance of man. And he says, the reason that you're doing this is for the Lord's sake. So when we begin to say, well, I disagree with an ordinance or I disagree with a rule, we may not want to obey it, but we obey it for the sake of the Lord. That's why we ought to be obedient citizens. That's what what Peter is writing about here. 
This every creation of man, this ordinance, is, it's, it's every institution. It's, it's the appointment of man. It's, it's the creations of those who are in authority or those who've been appointed to administer government. You know, we have a, a, a society that has decided that I will obey if I agree with the government who's currently ruling. That's not what Peter's talking about here. Peter's not talking about only obeying those we agree with. He's talking about obeying with the governmental authorities who are in place. That may be their laws. That may be the things that they've instituted. That may be the appointment. But what we must understand here is that the limitation here that we're being given is that to act against those ordinances is to act contrary to the law of God. Now, we read Romans 13 and we read the whole chapter, but the first seven verses primarily, they deal with the general duty and responsibilities of believers being in subjection to civil authority. I will tell you now that if your church is marked by its unruliness towards the government, there's something wrong with that church. In other words, if you're known as a church who just stands up against everything that the government stands for, there's something wrong with your church. It's not biblically based. Now, remember, I said things contrary to God. There, there are things that are contrary to the laws of God. But there are people who say, I shouldn't even be told whether or not I should pay taxes or not. Well, understand something. If the government tells you you ought to pay taxes, whether you agree with it or not, you are subjected to, you're subjected to that. That's not contrary to God. Now, if the government commands you to abort a baby, that's contrary to God, right? So you're talking about the difference between something that's contrary. Paying taxes is not contrary to God. Even God, even Christ himself said, you know, pay your dues, pay the taxes, pay, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Folks, we've got, we've got believers all over this country who, who have made it their goal to say, listen, I'm going to rebel against the government. That's not of God. That's not what we're supposed to be about. Yes, there are things that, that we simply cannot, just like I've told you. If we're told to completely abstain from preaching Christ, we can't, we can't abide by that. Because we're told to preach Christ. But if we say, I'm not going to pay my taxes because I, I just disagree with the tax structure. What about this? And I've told some of you that I think this is going to happen in my lifetime. I think at one point, and again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, I think at some point in our lifetime, churches will lose their tax-exempt status, and we're going to pay taxes. It's not our position to say, oh, you can't do that. If that's what the government says we're going to do, then we have to do it. We may disagree with it. And you know... We're, we're at the edge of that right now. From somebody told me, I don't even remember where I heard this, it's actually, there's legislation going through government now that is saying that very thing, wanting to take tax-exempt status away from churches. It's literally in a court, and it's, it's literally getting to the place where there's going to be a vote on it. Now, if we have the attitude that says, listen, I don't like that, well, I don't like it either. But I will tell you this, if that's what the government decides to do, then we as believers, we have to obey and be submissive into those things. He says, for the Lord's sake, 
Now, this is not just because it makes God look good. It's literally, for the Lord's sake, means because he requires it. You realize today that every power that has power, and this is what Romans 13 teaches us, every single person who's in power has been given that power by the allowance of God. Now, we may look around the world and we say, how does God let that evil person in, in, in rule? How does God allow these things to happen? You know, we're not the first generation who has been dealt, dealing with what appears to be people who should not be in power. You realize it's been going on since the foundation of time. These individuals didn't live in the day we lived. We didn't live in the day they did, but the command is exactly the same. Submit yourselves unto the ordinance of every man for the Lord's sake. Not just because it makes the testimony of God looks good, but because he requires our submission. So when we, when we talk about this, and even Ephesians 6, 7 tells us, with good, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You know, when, when you submit to the authority... You're doing good unto the Lord. You're not doing it to do good unto men. You're doing good unto the Lord. The Lord's required it. That's what my responsibility is. And notice what he says here. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors. Whether it be to the king. Now, if you, if you, if you study your, your Bible history, and this is where we make that supposition that these, these uh, Gentiles and these Jewish believers, there's a reference here to the king as supreme. It's a reference to what the Roman ruler would have been, which is often referred to as the emperor. Uh, it would have been a title as Caesar. That was a common title as the Roman sovereign or whoever was over it. The Greek writers use that terminology a lot, emperor. But the title king was also given as to identify somebody who is in power, who's in control. Now, you'll recall that even as they were, uh, Barabbas and Jesus were put before Pilate, or Pilate put them before the angry crowd and asked, which one should I release? And remember, their words were, uh, we'll have no other king but Caesar. They were identifying, saying, we won't have Jesus as our king, we'll have Caesar as our king. So there's this, here's this principle here that uh, even with the Roman governments that these individuals would have been subjected to, they were still being told, be subject unto them, whether it's the king or supreme or unto governors. Now the unto governors comes in because these little provinces that we mentioned, these other countries, there's a king and then there's governors. There's, there's individual leaders it's, it's, not, it's not uncommon like our society. You have, a, you have a president and then you have governors of states. You, have, you go down to the smaller level, you've got mayors and you've got people serving in all different capacities. So what you see here is you see that this subjection um, is not to be resisted, but rather we are to be submissive unto these things. Now we understand, and, and nobody here tonight believes, and no believer in this world, no believer in this country, thinks, for example, that the President of the United States is above God. Okay? Nobody believes that. So when it says supreme, it isn't saying treat that king as the ultimate supreme leader. He's using it in the terminology as the supreme as far as these earthly things go. Our king is God. Our king is Christ. That's ultimately who our head is. 
The head of this church is not me. The head of this church is Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. So what we do is not based upon me. It's based upon what Christ would have us to do. But what he is saying here is he's saying, whatever is the recognized supreme authority, be subordinate. Place yourself in that position of subjection. Now, by the way, this is, again, this is a lot easier said than done. Nobody here tonight likes to submit themselves. Nobody likes it, humanly speaking, because it seems as if I'm giving something up. If I have to submit myself, that means I'm losing something. You're not losing something. You're being obedient to what God has said. Submit yourself. Place yourself under the authority to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. He takes that thought and he goes, the king, the supreme leader, and then his governors. Those governors are to be treated because, as, as supreme because they are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. Romans 13 tells us a little bit about that law keepers and people who desire to obey the law don't fear the government if you're, keeping, if you're obeying the law. If you do is what you're supposed to do, you're not going to fear it. You know what the government really is intended to do? The government is intended to prosecute those that are breaking the law. But yet, oftentimes, and I think in our churches, we've fallen prey to this, that we think, well, my only head is Christ, so I don't have to listen to the, the governments. You've missed it. You've missed it. In the, in the terminology of what you think sounds holy and righteous, you're actually being disobedient to the command of submit yourselves to every ordinance. So a church that stands up and says our only head is God. Okay, I agree with you. But if your only head is God, but you're not submitting yourself unto the ordinances of man and even to the local governments, you're not in submission even to Christ. And we live in a day and age today that you pretty much know how many people feel about government. They broadcast it everywhere now. You know, everywhere you turn, people say what they think about the government, what they think about certain rulers, what they think about certain presidents, what they think about this and how we ought not do this. And we are to be in submission. And it is not about whether or not we agree or like them. You know, no one's ever been in office that God didn't allow. It's commonly understood here that these governors, governors even of themselves, the governors that were underneath the Roman emperors, they were subordinate officers unto them. They were carrying out the commands of their superiors. They were appointed as governors over certain provinces, perhaps uh, even uh, what was referred to in Bible times and these days as, as what you've heard the term Roman proconsuls. Those are, they're just all different levels of rulers and leaders in the Roman government. And look what it says, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him or sent by the king, that emperor, they represent the supreme power. So if I, even in my own my own world today, I said, well, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the president, but I'm not going to pay attention to the rules of the governors. If that's that's a, a crude example. We're to treat them all as being sent by the king. 
Okay, so whether they're a governor or whether they're, if they're in a position of, of authority, of government, we have a responsibility to be in submission to that. And look what it says, for the punishment, or sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. Folks, do you understand that's the leading purpose of government is to punish evil and to keep law-abiding citizens safe. When we talk about these things, the Roman governors had the power of life and death. Those provinces that are mentioned in 1 Peter 1.1, those Roman governors had the power to determine whether people lived or died. Peter is telling them, these believers, be in submission to this Roman government. It's an amazing thing. You can go to a lot of churches, you won't hear this preached and taught anymore. What you'll hear being taught is we're going to resist every move the government makes. We're going to hole ourselves up in a compound in the name of God. You understand that when we start talking about those things, many of those things, we're not, we're not doing anything that glorifies God. We're actually being disobedient to the commands God has given us. The governors, the Roman emperors, their job was to punish evildoers. Now, immediately we begin to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't Nero a Roman emperor? Wasn't he, isn't he known to be one of the most vicious rulers towards believers that's ever existed? Maybe. We know he was vicious. We know the stories. We've heard the stories of Nero that would actually use believers as human torches. You understand that what he's talking about here is evildoers fear the Roman emperor or even the ruling body's sword. It, it scares people more. I mean, actually, there are more, there's people more afraid of earthly government than they are fear of God. And it ought to be the other way around. You actually ought to fear God's hand more than you fear the government's hand. But you realize God's given us that government in order to protect those who are abiding by the law. Now, I've heard many calls over the years, we should do away with government altogether. Well, that would make sense. I mean, th that, that is completely out of what God has said. This is the way it's supposed to be. God has ordained government. God is the one that put the government structure in place. Sure, I have a lot of great ideas. I have a lot of things that I have said many, many times. If they would just do this in the government, everything would work much better. I think that highly of myself sometimes. I know how to fix all this. Turn on any talk show in the evening. That's what you're going to hear. Everybody has the right answer. If I was in office, here's what I would do. I would fix it this way. The reality is, is the government's been given. We have an obligation to be submissive to the government that's in front of us. Now, some people, some people would say or would be that if there, was, if there were no visible rulers on earth, okay, if there was nobody, no visible rules, they would live as if there was no God in heaven as well. Government reminds us, ought to remind us that there is a God in heaven. It ought to remind us that government structure means there is a God who's ordained all this. This isn't just thrown together. 
And again, we're not the first generation who's dealt with unfair laws, unfair regulations, but talk to people who live in this generation and they'll tell you this is so unfair. Talk to people who've lived generation after generation and they'll say this is really not that much different. There's always been things that are unfair and seem like they're not right. And the reality is, is there's a day coming that even the government of this country is not going to be friendly to people who preach the Bible. It, it, it's coming. But you know what? When we stop and we think about it, even to this day, if we're just going to look at this on a basic, let's understand really what's going on in the world level, we've got it pretty good. When you've got missionaries around the world today who've already met probably because of the time difference, they've already met and they've met underground because they're afraid of death. They're actually afraid to meet. They're meeting because they understand the only way we can worship God with is we have to do it underground. You know, we, we, I like the phrase that he uses as free. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But you see this, this picture that's being, that's being uh, drawn here. Look what he says, and for the praise of them that do well. Praise here stands in direct opposition to punishment. It means commendation. It means applause. It means reward. It is, it's the part of the earthly ruler's business to reward those who are upright and obedient as citizens. You know, one of the, one of the rewards of obedience is protection. One of the rewards of obedience is our, our property, our, our rights being defended, being protected. It's, it's the opposite. For, the, for the, the law-abiding citizen, we do it, and there is a reward for obedience. But when we stop and we think about some of those things that may be contrary to the Word of God, we've talked about those things. Certainly, laws that require us to break the laws of God and we're commanded to do those things, then yes, we can't act contrary to what the Word of God says. But the Christian, the believer, should obey all the laws of the land. We're to live in our own communities, our own state, our nation as obedient citizens. You know, if we as a church are known for our lawlessness and our disobedience, we've, we've missed it. We've missed it. I could name one church, and if I said the name, all of you have probably heard it, and that's what they're known for. They're known for causing unrest. They're known for causing disturbances. They're known for resisting everything that, that the government stands for. And sadly, it's a Baptist church. That's not God. God's not honored by that. God is not, uh, God is not glorified in that. We are to submit to authority and whether it's high authority or even men who are inferior men of authority. You know, there are weak leaders who we say, well, I, I don't have to listen to them. They don't pose any threat. It's not about what they can do to you. If they're authority, if they're authority, if they're over you, then we are to be submissive unto them. We're to place ourselves in that subjection. Even if they are weak, even if we say, well, I'd be a much better leader than they are, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to wait till I, I can do something. No, we're supposed to even be submissive even to them. Look what he says. For so is the will of God, 
It's an amazing thing. People ask people, preachers all the time, what is God's will? Well, here's one part of God's will. Be submissive to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. No, I want something exciting. Like, what's God's will for me? How he's going to use me? You realize if you can't even submit to earthly ordinances of man, you really think you're going to submit to God? Everybody says, I got this grand plan for my life. They're not, even, they're not even willing to submit to basic governmental structure, and they think I can still be used by God. Because if you won't submit to earthly authority, you're sure not going to submit to God's authority. We got this all backwards. People say this all the time. They say, I don't want to serve, I don't want to have anything to do with the earthly things. I'm only living for the eternal things. Okay, here's part of the will of God live in obedience to the nation, the community that you live in. Oh, that's, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I want to do something that matters. Do you know one of the greatest things we can do as believers is actually be obedient, submissive citizens to the country in which we live in? It's not my words. This is, this is God's word. We submit to those authority. It's the will of God. What is the will of God? It just simply means to live in accordance with his divine structure. And what does he say happens when we live according to the will of God? That with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I'm not trying to be crude, but do you want to shut the mouth of the wicked? Do good. The people who are acting like fools, don't act like a fool towards them and back. Do good. And you put them, you put them to silence the words of foolish men. Now, these, these, this word or this phrase, foolish men. Well, first of all, what is, what is well-doing? Well-doing is obedience. Well-doing is living a life that is upright. Living a life of, of benevolence, caring, compassion. God will, by our subjection that we give unto rulers and governors, silence or put a muzzle. That's what it means. To silence is to put a muzzle. You put a muzzle on the mouth of those foolish men. Foolish men, scripturally, you will find out, are, are people who rage against God's people. What's the greatest way for me to silence the mouth of people who hate God's people? It's to do good. Do well. Live a life of subjection. Live a life of obedience. We put to silence the foolishness of wicked men. Folks, one of the best ways of meeting the accusation of someone who's out to destroy the people of God or our enemies who desire to destroy us is to lead a life of integrity and live a life that's obedient. You know, where has integrity gone? Where's character gone? We think it's within us now every time we get a little bit of a fight that God wants us to fight everything instead of saying, you know, actually what I need to do here is I just need to submit to this, submit to the authority, and by my well-doing, I will silence those who are raging against me. You know, actually learning how to be quiet is a skill, and it's a, God, it's a God-given skill. We're losing that in our society. 
There used to be a time, it used to be a real display of Christian character to just be quiet. Don't say anything. Just zip your lip and be quiet. Now, everything that gets said, we want to fight. Every ordinance we don't like, we think we've got to project our voice and say, I hate this. You know, it's an amazing thing. And I'm not going to go into detail. Some of you already know this. There are things that long before many of us were here in this church, there was a reputation that went out because people who were here before us, okay, had a reputation in this community for not being very nice and very polite and we still carry that. None of you were here. But they know that there was a church that used to meet in this building. And many people, to them, it's the same people who were those people before who were mean and vindictive and didn't sure didn't act very Christ-like. All they see is people that come in and out of that building, the same building, and they think that's the same people. Folks, we carry that testimony wherever we go. And if you become known as a person who always has to have an opinion about how you're not going to submit and you're not going to subject yourselves to these things, you will gain that reputation and that's what you'll be known for. I know that's not a deep expositional, but that's just practical. That's, that's, a, that's a practical message that says, listen, if, if we're known for being just the loudmouth church that just opposes all authority, look, that's exactly what you'll be known as. And people will look at you and they'll say, oh, yeah, every time something comes up about obeying or subjecting, they're the ones that resist it and they fight it. You know, we've had situations here that we've had, you know, we've, we've had to just We've had to suck it up and we've had, to, we've had to do things that we didn't agree with from the, from the, the city of Springfield and the state. We, we, we had no choice but to just walk in and say, okay, if this is what you're saying we have to do, then we're going to do it. And we'll let God fight the battle. And lo and behold, God fights the battle. We did it the right way. God returned what we lost and we didn't re- fight it wasn't fair. We knew it wasn't necessarily, but we thought if this is what happened, then this is what happened. We understand that he uses these, these, this terminology about by doing good works. Works don't save, but they ought to be the result of a saved life. You know, we can go around screaming we have our doctrine right. But if we don't live lives of integrity and if we live lives that are just loudmouth towards the government, our doctrine doesn't matter. Or if we're just always in opposition to everything. We have to be careful about this because our, we should have good works. We should have the right attitude towards leadership. We should have the right at leader, attitude towards those in authority. I remember... It has been years ago now, and this wasn't in this church, but I remember when uh, the administration of this country was, for a lot of us, uh, was not anyone that we wanted there. But yet we should have still been praying. We should have still been praying. Somebody asked me, he said, well, how, could you, how could you pray for that? Why would you pray for that? I said, at the very least, why don't you pray for their conversion? 
Why don't you pray for their salvation? Do you realize how cold-hearted we have to be to actually get to the place where we say, I'm not praying for that person? I mean, think about it. And we've got that going on in our country right now. We've got people that said, listen, not only uh, do I not agree, I'm I'm not praying for him. I'm not praying for them. And I'm talking about churches, folks. I'm talking about people who are believers who are saying, listen, I'm not praying for them. Well, the Bible tells us we are to pray for those in authority and we're to pray for those who are in leadership above us. We talk about one of the greatest ways we can take away a, a critical tongue is by living a godly life. We silence ignorant charges, silence criticisms of foolish people. You don't have to respond to every criticism of you. And listen, folks, on a very personal matter, I've, I've had my own share of criticism and I don't respond to all of it. It's not worth it. Sometimes being quiet is just the best thing you can do. Just be quiet. And look what he says in verse 16. He says, as free. Now, what does he mean by free? He's not telling them that we're free from all the laws. You're a free people as it comes to Christ. In other words, yes, we're free from the bondage of sin. We're, we're free from Uh, the things. We're free from Satan. We're free from being in bondage to our sin anymore. Christ makes all of his children free, but with that freedom from spiritual bondage, but we're not free from civil subjection. In other words, I'm free spiritually, but as long as I live my life and as long as God gives me breath, I am not free to revolt against civil authority. Now, I may do it, but that's not part of my freedom in Christ. Now, why do you think he had to say that to them? Well, specifically, he had to tell the Jews that because the Jews were very much a people saying, we will not be in a, have anyone be authoritative over us. It's interesting. We talk a lot about how the Jews just simply didn't want to do it God's way. Churches are filled with people right now that says, I don't want to do it God's way. I don't want to be subjected not only to my government, I don't want to be subjected to to my church, I don't want to be subjected to the pastor, I don't want to be submissive to anybody, wives don't want to submit to husbands because it's, and it's not a negative thing. Submission is not negative. Submission is actually God's plan. And every one of us is called to submit. Every man who tries to stomp on his wife saying she should submit to me, he doesn't get it because he's supposed to submit to Christ himself. All of us are supposed to be in submission. Submission is not an optional thing. It would do us well if we all remembered that. It would do us all well not only to our government. Like I said, if we have a problem submitting to our government, we probably have a problem submitting to every other relationship in our life too. He said, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Now, this is, a, this is a powerful phrase. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying, using your liberty, your freedom that you have in Christ, don't use that as a cloak for maliciousness. A cloak is a covering. And, and what he's very clearly saying here is to plead that we have liberty in Christ 
but were disobedient towards superiors and governors, whether it's civil or in church, is to use our liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. In other words, we say we have liberty in Christ, we're in Christ, but then to not be submissive to those authorities. You know, people say all the time, well, I'm glad this is just about the government. It's not about the government. We're not going to deal with it tonight, but he's going to add servants. Oh, now we're getting down to where we really are, the people you work for. You know who, we, you know who, who most people complain more against than anybody? Their bosses. And yet he's going to talk about servants. The next message, when we we'll pick this up again, he's going to talk about honoring all men, loving the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, let's just skip by that. that that's got too many practical implications for our life. Oh, that's, that's when it's really getting deep now. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. That word honor, we'll study that word. It's an interesting word, what honor means. Don't use your Christian liberty as a covering for disobedience. Disobedience, in its purest form, demonstrates a hatred towards God. Now, that's tough language, but that's what disobedience really is. If I, if I disobey willfully, I'm really showing more of what I think towards God. Disobedience towards government, even in a practical sense, can be destructive. Do you realize a very basic thing, if I just decide on a very basic, and I, I use this example a lot, so excuse me for that. If I just use a basic example that says, listen, I think you should be able to go on I-71 or I-75. I don't think there should be a speed limit. Okay, I've thought that a million times. I'm like, I wish there wasn't a speed limit. But do you know that violating that leads in destructive consequences? Now, I disagree with it. I, I don't think any problem with going 100 miles an hour. But you know what? By the violation of that law, it's going to lead to something being destroyed. If I violate God's law in this area, if I say, listen, I'm, I'm not going to submit myself to the ordinance of man, then you can expect destruction's going to come. There's going to be a consequence for you saying, I won't do it. Like I said, the human nature hates submission. Deep down, if you're honest with yourself, you don't like it either. People don't like to be told what to do. And the hardest thing to do is actually to say, okay, God has put this authority in my life. It's an ordinance of man. I can search the scripture all I want and say, okay, I don't have to obey it because I can't find it in the scripture. If it's an ordinance of man, remember that's every creation of man. It could be the most foolish thing you've ever heard. If it doesn't force you to go contrary to God, you have a responsibility to obey it. Mm, I don't like that. I don't like it either. Humanly speaking. And look what he says. He says, but as the servants of God. So in other words, don't use as a cloak of, of maliciousness, but use your obedience as a servant of God. Because you're a believer tonight and because you are a servant of God does not mean that you are to be free from all restraint. You don't have free liberty to indulge in everything and say, you can't tell me what to do in the government because I'm one of God's. 
Folks, institutions and churches are trying this right now where they're actually saying that I don't have to listen to you because we're a church. According to the Bible, if it's not causing you to go contrary to the word of God, yes, you do. If they come through and they tell you your organization is going to lose its tax-exempt status, you've got to pay taxes, you've got to pay for that property that your building is sitting on, then we've got to pay the taxes on that. You can't say, well, I'm a church. The government says you can't do it or you're going to do it, then we have to submit to it. We're bound to obey. We're bound to serve him. Peter tells them you're not at liberty to indulge in things that would be violating man-made laws, but you also be careful that you don't violate God's law. Not keeping the law is a violation of God's laws. God's not given law to harm us. God's given us law to help us. Does man misuse law? Absolutely. You know, when a, when a court, a case goes before a court, you realize the court's job is not to make law, it's to follow the law which is already on the books. In other words, was this law broken? Not redefine law. The, the judge's job is to determine, is that law that's on the books, was that broken? And if it was broken and proven to be broken, what is the consequence for breaking that law? That's what the intent is. Now we have an, a mindset that says, well, I see what the law says, I know what it's supposed to be, I don't agree with it, so I'm going to try to reframe the law into what I want it to say. Instead of saying, what, that's the law. I broke the law. We are free men and women, but the disobedience to the ordinance of man is to bring dishonor to the Lord himself. We're free, men and women, we're free from the curse and the penalty of the law. We're free from, spiritually, we're free from, we have freedom and we have access to God, but we're not free to sin. Even in the Bible, we're not, Bible, the, the Bible tells us you're not free to continue in sin. And we don't, we would look at that and say, well, I, I can keep sinning. No, the Bible says you're not free to do whatever you want to do. And even in our government, we're not free to do whatever we want to do. We're not free to live in contempt of things that are binding on all men. You know, one of the hardest things about this is that law that you're so up in arms about applies to every citizen. When we won't obey the law, we're basically saying, I'm above that other citizen. I don't have to do this because I'm above them. No, it's on every citizen. We're not free to despise the government and authority. <clears throat> we, show, <clears throat> we show ourselves to be the true servants of God by submitting ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. That's what we're doing. It doesn't mean we agree with it all. It doesn't mean we have to agree with it. But we are to live in, this, we are to live in submission. Now, next time we visit this again, we're going to be looking at verses 17 and 18, and we're going to deal with those three words, honor, love, and fear. And those three words, really, it gives the entire responsibility of man. Duties that we have towards not only private individuals, person to person, but also the responsibilities we have even to governments or to authorities, superiors. 
He's going to talk about the duty that servants have towards masters. And by the way, servanthood, even in those days, was not always pleasant. And yet he was saying, if you're a servant, then you be in subjection to that master. Somehow we've gotten the idea that if, it's, if it seems unfair or I don't like it, that my Christian liberty allows me to just reject it, and that's not Scripture. The Scripture actually says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. That's why we do it. We do it for the Lord's sake. Let's stand all around, if you would, and we'll be dismissed in prayer.